Hey everybody, I'm Jackson Swearer, Entrepreneur and Navigator at Startup Hutch, and I'm your host for The Hot Seat. Today, we have an expert edition as I sit down with Jim Seitnader, the Interim Director of Planning and Development at the City of Hutchinson. Prior to this, Jim served as the Downtown Development Director for the City for almost 25 years. I've known Jim since my time serving on the Downtown Hutchinson Revitalization Partnership Board, and I've watched him work with dozens of small business owners to make their businesses successful and to revitalize historic buildings. Today, we'll be talking about some of the history of the development of downtown and also what resources are available to business owners as they look to develop historic properties. I hope that you'll find our conversation engaging and take some nuggets of wisdom out of Jim's 25-plus year career of working with business owners. Enjoy. Thanks, Jim. Let's just start out. Can you uh, can you give me your name and your title? My name's Jim Seitenhater. I'm the interim planning and development director for the city of Hutchinson. And Jim, I know you've uh, been with the city of Hutchinson for a long time. Can you tell us a little bit about your past roles at the city? Yeah, I've been uh, blessed with a 20-plus year career for the city of Hutchinson. Uh, most of my time was spent in the downtown area, downtown redevelopment. And then in uh, 2018, I became the interim planning director and uh, then uh, worked with housing until I retired at the beginning of 2020 and got a phone call a couple months ago. And uh, so I came back to help out uh, for a while here in the planning department. Well, we're, we're glad to have you back. That planning department is a pretty critical part of getting businesses going and keeping them going here in Hutchinson. But I'm most intrigued by your experience as the downtown development person in the past. I imagine you've worked with lots of small business owners through the years and helped them uh, to get going in their businesses. And so I'm hoping we can pick your brain a little bit today and uh, see what nuggets of wisdom we can uh, pass along to people who are thinking about starting businesses and hopefully get some of that down and recorded. So the next time you retire, we can keep some of this wisdom around. Uh, does that sound good, Jim? That sounds great. All right. So first, just to take a little step back, you know, how did you get into the business of being the downtown development manager in the first place? Well, it was kind of evolution of my career. I had the good fortune to work for the Wiley family in a family-owned department store for about 12 years. And, uh, Best job I ever had, loved every minute of it. But unfortunately, family-owned department stores became like the dinosaur and uh, were some of the first of the early retailers to really face extinction. And uh, at that point, I moved uh, because uh, a lot of the work I did at Wiley's uh, involved uh, advertising. So uh, I had a little stint with radio, and then I had about an 11-year career with the Hutchinson News uh, selling advertising to retailers. My list was full of Sears, Kmarts, people like that. Uh, so you can kind of tell where that went. And uh, so because of that, I always worked with a lot of downtown businesses and had connections. And uh, through the advertising, especially, you felt like part of the team. I worked with Piggies and 
Adams Parker and many big thriving downtown businesses. So you always felt like you were part of their team. So I had that connection. So I always had a lot of connection to downtown. And uh, at that point in time, I'd been uh, working uh, out of the city up in Kansas City and a liberal uh, with uh, newspaper type jobs. And uh, the opportunity opened up for a downtown manager in Hutchinson. And I applied and the rest is kind of history. Awesome. So you've seen over over the years an evolution. You mentioned the extinction of sort of the family-owned department store, but I'm sure through the years you've seen more changes in what the environment looks like in downtown. Can you describe for folks a little bit about what you see has been the course of that evolution in the past 20 or 30 years with downtown Hutchinson and downtowns in general? And also maybe a little bit, not to get your crystal ball out, but what you see happening in the future for downtowns? Well, I think downtown, like anything, had to uh, reinvent itself from being a regional shopping center. You know, it was built in the 30s, 40s, and 50s because we had three major train lines bringing people from all around the state in. Uh, the Hutchinson News was a tremendous asset. Ads in the news led to many mail order uh, orders from, you know, the rural parts of Kansas. They were full of family farms, and it was just a whole different uh, economic environment. And as that all changed and transportation changed and our lot in life kind of changed, uh, we had to start to reinvent ourselves. And uh, luckily, Hutchinson had a lot of great family-owned, long-time businesses, and so uh, kept the retail part uh, really strong and lively uh, for a long, long time, uh, much longer, I think, than, than other communities in some senses. But the longs and the sport shacks and the place like that, uh, decor parties, we had some real anchor-type draws. And so that kept downtown alive for a retail-type customer. But it was evident and clear as I started uh, uh, traveling and training and uh, getting more involved in the Main Street world that we had to recreate a density and a critical mass in downtown. That's why housing and things like that became important. Uh, major buildings were full of workers for decades. And as that changed and as the Wiley building had no more tenants and uh, several other buildings of that nature, one was knocked down. Uh, that kind of density, that day-to-day, nine-to-five kind of density had left downtown. So uh, it was important to uh, recreate space that people would want to visit and use in different ways. So you mentioned the importance of housing and the role that that plays in bringing people to downtown. I'm wondering if you can speak to some of the efforts to make it e- sort of easier, more possible for people to have residential uh, spaces in downtown, perhaps on second stories, upper floor living, and and also whether you see that as a continuing trend that people should continue to try to invest in, or whether you think that we have enough housing now available in downtown. 
Well, I, I, that's a great question because uh, I don't think you can ever have enough housing downtown. And the one piece I think that we really could grow with are the adjacent neighborhoods to downtown. If we could revitalize those neighborhoods within walking distance of downtown, that would be a tremendous help to the density. But, you know, when I first started, it wasn't allowed to live up above uh, first floor in Hutchinson. So the early uh, work of the downtown partnership group was to change those kinds of things, eliminate those kinds of obstacles. And uh, I'm really pleased and proud that uh, we actually got downtown its own zoning designation and uh, it made things a lot quicker and easier for people to develop. It's never easy to redevelop an existing building. There's challenges uh, building by building. There's no boilerplate to things. Uh, each building brings on its own different set of circumstance and issues. So it's uh, just ultra important that uh, people go in with wise eyes wide open so that they know this isn't a nickel and dime proposition. It's a major investment. And uh, the more due diligence and the more research one does and the right team is assembled, it, it can be extremely well done. Uh, buildings like the Bookends Bookstore where Gwen and Wes Bartlett career-long teachers uh, invested in downtown and for their retirement and started a real successful bookstore and up above uh, redid four really great apartments that uh, put that building, which was a former hotel, back into tip-top service. And they utilized tools, the tax credits and all the things uh, Really difficult to do for a couple with no background to that, but uh, they assembled the right team and uh, worked through it. And, um, you know, there's just a number of people who uh, probably our first real loft pioneer, Lloyd Armstrong, uh, he basically trailblazed for the rest to follow and then was a really great advocate and uh, resource for people trying to do it. Uh, they they knew Lloyd did it, and he did it well. And so that was really helpful as we started to create things. But uh, I think when I first started in downtown, we had housing. We've always had housing, but it was in uh, the converted Plaza Towers, a former hotel, the Leon across the street in there were probably three or four individuals living in the downtown in a building, uh, and that's grown just tremendously. I think when I left in uh, 2018, the uh, amount of personally owned loft spaces was well above 24, and uh, really some creative, wonderful spaces, and uh, certainly each one has its own charm and indifference. There's no cookie cutter to uh, downtown upper stories. I want to pick up on a couple of threads there. The first is you mentioned tools that people can use in order to help them. You referenced tax credits. I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit more about some of those tools for redeveloping old buildings um, and how they can be uh, deployed in Hutchinson or, or elsewhere in Reno County for that matter. Well, uh, it, 
an old building, uh, there's a huge reward for making that building as new and up-to-date as possible through historic tax credits, both state tax credits and federal tax credits. And you can see those projects up and down Main Street, the Pegues Building, the Wiley Building, Bookends, the Burt, uh, on and on and on, where those tools were utilized uh, and with uh, great personal investment in creating the right team to get that accomplished, uh, those buildings made sense and the uh, high dollar it took to renovate those buildings made some sense to, to those owners. So for people who are looking to uh, to get access to things like those tax credits and those tools, who would you recommend that they have on their team as they're going about doing that? Uh, it starts with a person called a preservation specialist. Uh, we've been lucky. We've had two ladies that really have helped uh, downtown Hutchinson grow. The first was Christy Davis, uh, who Davis Preservation, who actually wrote the state's uh, tax law or helped to write it uh, at her time at the uh, Historical Society, and then went into private business. And uh, she was the uh, main uh, person for the Wiley Building and the Hope Building, which is a great ongoing uh, improvement right now. Uh, and then Brenda Spencer, who uh, Christy, as she uh, had family and things like that, got out of the business, and uh, Brenda stepped in, and uh, she's been so helpful on buildings like the Pegues Building, the Bartlett's Project, the Burt. Uh, so, uh, but the preservation specialist is key. They're the person that knows the language, much like a lawyer, to get the uh, tax credit applications and things moving forward. Uh, an accountant, a preservation, an accountant steeped in preservation is very important too because the, the two work hand in hand uh, and the architect is extremely important. Uh, their plans are what uh, earn the tax credit. So uh, those three people along with a contractor, it's very helpful to have an experienced contractor who's worked on historic projects because they understand the work they're doing needs to match those plans exactly, or it could jeopardize the tax credit. So it really is an important team effort. Great. That's, I think that's very helpful for folks to get a sense for what all it takes to do that, but also that you know you don't have to figure out how to do it all on your own, and there are people out there who can help you put together the pieces in order to get access to funds in order to make these projects possible. We've been talking mostly at sort of a systems-wide level here. I'm wondering if we could take a little bit of a dive into the individual business owner. And could you share some insights from your years of working with different businesses? and Maybe some characteristics that you have seen through the years that tend to be common across successful business owners that new startups that are listening to this podcast might want to cultivate for themselves. Sure. Yeah. A passion for what they're doing is the most critical uh, element that, that I th have seen and believe makes the biggest difference. You really have to love what you're doing and you are the face of that business. So 
unfortunately, you need to be there the majority of the time because the customer's choosing you and your business. Uh, I, I'd see that all the time, especially in succession from business to business. But uh, the just the passion and the uh, intensity that people brought to a project you could really sense or feel their success and and it's tough it's not there's been a lot of people with that that it didn't work out for uh, being in business is hard and it's tough but it's very rewarding when it does work and uh, I I mean I wouldn't even try to list names because there's so many of them and they're so different but when you see a restaurant last longer than a couple three years they have beat the odds they are doing doing those kinds of things and uh, all good things come to an end from time to time but um, that business is probably the hardest and the highest failure rate business there are and our downtown was full of great locally owned uh, restaurant businesses and uh, that played a big part I think in the revitalization of downtown. Is there anything else that you would really want to make sure that business owners who tune into the podcast know as they're thinking about maybe making an expansion or locating their business in downtown or even just a general wisdom about business that you'd like to pass on? Well, I'm so excited uh, with the ability for capital which was really hard in the early days of uh, the downtown work. Most of our buildings wouldn't have the loan value that bankers would even look at. So uh, the early pioneers really helped set the stage to where investing into downtown buildings and uh, properties made sense and could get financed. And uh, that, that was a huge step into uh, things really starting to happen. So, Jim, you just mentioned capital sources, and I wanted to make sure to draw some attention to a particular capital source that I know that you helped bring to Hutchinson, which was the Incentives Without Walls Fund. Could you share with our listeners a little bit about how that fund works and how that has been used to help bring capital to downtown projects? Yeah, that was through the Kansas Main Street program and probably the single greatest tool that really made a difference in downtown Hutchinson. It took a long time to build a revolving loan fund that had significant capital to it, but it all started with a $15,000 loan that was repaid. And then uh, we through uh, our work through the Main Street program, we were very aggressive and lucky to acquire grants. We had two opportunities a year and sometimes a third opportunity. And because of the willingness of people to invest and the quality of projects, we got into a really good rhythm of being awarded at least two or three a year. And as that kept growing and, and kept uh, building, we were able to, from one single $15,000 loan, grow a revolving loan fund of about $270,000 that came from the state for the IWW funds. And then along with the repayment and next generation loans, we were able to uh, uh, help about s over $650,000 worth of uh, projects. And uh, the cool thing about that was it took a three 
of the investor's money to one of the grant dollars. And so that means at least a hundred and or 1.9 or so million dollars uh, of private money went in to leverage the grant funds. And, and in our case, the three to one was just very rare that we were even close to that. The investments well topped that kind of a number. So, uh, uh, that was just critically important. Uh, and then we were blessed later on with uh, Network Kansas, which you're very familiar and doing a great job in managing uh, to bring, uh, because of the success of the IWW, uh, we became partners with Network Kansas. And uh, then that brought uh, extra capital to the uh, uh, the pot and really helped a lot of local businesses expand and things at that point. That continues to be an important part of the work of Startup Hutch and also our local chamber who administers those IWW funds now. And I, I thank you for sharing a little bit of that history. I think that's a really important tool for folks. It's a 0% interest loan, so that's better than you're going to get anywhere else and up to $20,000. And I always encourage people who are doing projects downtown to look there, maybe not first because you've got to have the three to one match, but look there second um, for some extra capital to get a project going. And then if you still have some more gap financing that's needed, then Startup Hutch can help out with that. Jim, any final words? Well, I uh, just appreciate the work that you're doing because that the businesses, startups need help and they need a place to go where uh, one person can try to link them to these different ways of help. And uh, that was always my goal as I always saw myself as a liaison or a linker of people, uh, the people that needed help and the people that could help. And uh, I feel like that's what you do and that's I commend you for that because it's really really important because it's it's scary it's people's sometimes lifetime savings and you feel awful if it doesn't work for them because you know what they've gone through to uh, to try to make it happen, but it's extremely rewarding to go into a place that you remember the first visit you made and see that they've been there over 10 years and things are thriving and new uh, locations in other cities and things like that. Uh, so there's a real reward to uh, experiencing that. Well, thanks, Jim, for the kind words, and thanks for taking some time to share with us today some of your, your wisdom uh, as a long-standing expert on downtown development. You bet, Jackson. Thank you. And also, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. I also need to thank Bowercom for the cover art and Christopher Racker and Salt City Sound for help with recording and posting the podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Startup Hutch, you can find us on our website, startuphutch.com, or on most social media platforms at Startup Hutch. We hope that if you're a business owner, you'll also consider joining the Startup Hutch Idea Exchange, our private Facebook group where small business owners in Reno County can share ideas about business and ask each other questions. Finally, I hope that you'll do us a favor by sharing the podcast and also by letting us know if there's anybody that you'd like to have on the podcast in the future. You can reach us either in the comment section on Facebook or by using the contact page on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in next time.